You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's Calgary Flames game day. Flames and the Nashville Predators. 7 o'clock puck drop tonight. That means Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg. Goes at 6 o'clock. Leading you all the way up until puck drop with Derek and Megan right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. This is another edition of Sportsnet Today. We're coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. DLBasementSystems.com. Still to come this hour, we'll check in on the opposition with Paul Skirbina, who covers the Predators for the Tennessean to get you set for tonight's matchup against the Flames. But right now, always happy to kick off the hour by going down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome to our pal from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, Ailish Forfar, joins us this afternoon. Ailish, what's up? Hey, what's up? No poems today, eh? Yeah, yeah, Taylor was pretty disappointed that I didn't have any poem writing to do this week. So. <laughs> it's okay. We'll play each other down the road, and we'll have to we'll have to go back on our bed again. Yeah, I'm thankful there's only two meetings between these teams this year because uh, anything more than that, and I think I'd have to uh, stop doing these kind of wagers or I'd feel bad about myself. You could probably take some sort of, like, online poetry class, like University of... Yeah. Um, Calgary, whatever they got over there. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that'll really get the broadcasting degree to put it to work and has to go back to school again. Uh, what's up with you guys? You guys have been quiet. Uh, that Sweden series has had the Leafs off for a little while. What's uh, what's kept you busy the last couple of weeks? Man, the Sweden stuff was awesome, though. I'll say, like, I think they nailed it. The NHL put together a pretty great weekend, or I guess I don't even know it was a week weekend how long they were there for, but I think. It's the William Nylander show. He stole the he stole the show. He stole the media. He was on daytime TV over there and like a tarps off basically. Like he had the time of his life. He played incredibly. Gets the game winner. Like it's just you couldn't have scripted it any better for what happened there with Willie and the Leafs getting four points. Obviously that's important too. But it's kind of like let's see how this week goes. Now they came back. They don't play again until Friday at two o'clock. So we're all like waiting to either write the story of, wow, that Sweden trip really invigorated this team. They came together or wow, that Sweden trip. They look slow. They look jet lagged. They should have played more games in the meantime. So other than that, like, I just think we're just starting to see the William Melander price tag go up. But at this time, like, I can't complain. Watching him play hockey is awesome. We're pumped to have him for as long as we can have him. But I thought the Sweden trip was great. Everybody said that uh, it, you know, it was a, it was a blast and that they kind of nailed it. So that's what you want from a big overseas trip. Yeah, and you're, you, you, I think you nailed the, the the conversation coming out of it. Really has been about William Nylander and you know a pending UFA, and I think so much of the the conversation for the longest time, Ailish, it felt like William was always the kind of odd man out in Toronto when you talked about who would you have to move or who would you be forced mm-hmm. to move, right? It was always Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and then Nylander. But I mean, the way he's playing right now. I don't know how you let that guy go if you're Toronto. I, it just doesn't seem feasible when he's got 27 points in 17 games. No, you can't. Like, it, there is not a world right now where William Nylander ha- gets to walk 
to another team or is a piece of uh, another team's puzzle going forward. He's been the most consistent Maple Leaf this year. He's always shown up in the playoffs. I think the problem has been the conversation's always Matthews, Marner, and then who else, right? But yeah. he's now saying, this is my team. And maybe this trip to Sweden really gave him that like all-star moment where he was the face of the Maple Leafs, right? He never gets that opportunity. Not that I think he cares. He's like the most chill guy ever. But <laughs> he gets to go back home and get paraded around as the star that he really is. Even since coming back, I saw uh, one of our social reporters here, Emily, she did a sit down with him on the TTC, like our subway. Yeah. Because uh, he wrote the TTC like last week. So he's like already seems like he's he's like a different guy. He's leading into it. He's He's doing interviews. He was all over Swedish stuff so like maybe this is really what it meant meant something to him that if you stay in this market and you find a way to be a maple leaf it's going to be great for you right like i don't think that there's a feeling anymore in leafs land that he doesn't want to be a maple leaf it's just like how can you make this work how can you make the money work and is there just too much superpower money at the top that you might have to be creative like John Tavares's money comes off in a year uh does he take a, a discount like that might help you know you have some guys locked in long term I think William Nylander just has to be a part of this team the Maple Leafs have some big questions Brad Trey Living and then our guys at the cap have to figure it out but I mean it's just been it's been awesome to follow this season the big question that we've always had about Willie is consistency right like there's yeah. stretches where he's the best player in on the team, top 10 player in the NHL. And then there's stretches where he isn't. And I don't feel like I'm holding my breath waiting for that Willie to show up. I think he's really proved through the sample size and the playoffs that maybe this contract year's really flipped the script and he, he's here for real. So we're lucky to have him. It's been, it's been such a joy watching him. And I think he looks like he's enjoying hockey and just, like soak it in fans. <laughs> Do you think that the the previous experience Brad Living had here in Calgary with the whole Johnny Gaudreau situation, you think that gives him uh, a bit of a leg up when it comes to handling this situation with Willie Nylander? I do. I think he's probably got a lot of not regrets, but a lot of, let's say like learning lessons from some of these major contracts. Right. Yep. And I actually think like the time that he came in might give him not a built-in excuse, but a little bit of a pause to say, I just joined this organization. I'm not going to rush to to sign Willie like he could have before the season started, right? I think focus one was Austin Matthews, and now you could take some time. I think it feels like here that it's not about selling William Nylander on staying in Toronto. It's about, okay, what what can we do to get this bottom line the check that's slid across the table to work for both people but yeah Trey Living everything we hear about him is that he is a great people person that he has like people have a lot of respect for him and he's easy to deal with and he cares about his players so that's kind of exactly the person you'd want to negotiate a contract with William Nylander you know his agent's pretty tough but it sounds like they're you know just dodging out numbers at this point uh i i really hoped it was going to happen in sweden how cool would that have been right yeah. it would have been the craziest story that was already a, a wild trip if he came back and did it but i think we're all feeling confident they'll find a way to do it and and 
honestly, Tree Living might be the right fit for it, a new voice and a new perspective. Not that Kyle Dubas couldn't have made it work, but he had some contracts too that, you know, didn't age well. So, you know, it could be the perfect meshing of a new a new guy uh, doing the negotiating in a, a really pivotal moment in, in William Nylander's career. So you guys have only had two games to uh, to focus on the last couple of weeks here. Where uh, where else has your focus been across the NHL? What other storylines have sort of caught your eye while the Leafs have had this sort of quieter part of their schedule? I mean, when we look at the standings of the NHL, I just can't I can't get over the Boston Bruins. It's <laughs> making me sick. But it, it's just to me, there's something about that team, and I, I it's I'm starting to believe in like the culture is something that it doesn't matter if your players are aging. If you lose some of these pivotal players, like you lost your backbone of this organization, basically retirement. Like you went through this, this change this off season where a lot of people thought the Bruins were going to be, I, I personally thought they weren't going to make the playoffs. I look like the biggest idiot, but you know what? I'll own up to it. And what they've just been able to do, I think it, it shows like that culture has been instilled for so many years. Like that's a championship culture, right? And so many teams have like blips where they're really good. They're really, they're really exciting. Like the Sabres had that excitement, but maybe they don't have the culture yet that the Bruins have instilled in, in like a winning record. Same with the Rangers. Rangers have been a really exciting story. They're like eight, one and one in their last 10 games. They've got so much young talent and it felt like, it just hadn't clicked like Lafreniere, Capocacco, like a lot of these guys had so much excitement over the last couple of seasons. Now it feels like things are starting to click, right? So maybe that's like where we're looking around because it's clearly the Atlantic and the Metro kind of have our attention most of the time. Uh, but the Leafs still have, you know, a mountain to climb to get to where the Bruins are. It's like what they did last year. They just ran away with it, right? Um, so that's kind of what we've been focusing on is just looking around, usually around this time of year, uh, American Thanksgiving is when um, I, I believe it's like usually 70 or 80 percent of the teams that are in the playoffs as of, I guess, tomorrow, Thanksgiving, actually make the playoffs when it all comes uh, comes around to it. So that means there's a lot of teams that you had predicted uh, specifically over uh, the Western Conference that aren't going to make the playoffs. Like the Oilers, I think we lead our show every day with the Edmonton Oilers because it's just it's astounding to everybody what has happened there. Uh, it looks toxic. You got refs and you got media member. I don't know if you saw this. Like our poor <laughs> yes. guy Mark Spector's taken <laughs> taken bullets. Like it's insane over there. I don't know. You guys probably talk about it a lot, but I would say the Oilers are are mainly when we're not talking Leafs, we're talking disaster in Edmonton. Yeah, it was funny. I had uh, our pal David Amber on uh, from uh, mm. the studio desk, and we were talking about that. And he was, I asked him who was more surprising, the start to the season for the Canucks or the Oilers, and he said, without a doubt, the Edmonton Oilers. He's like, maybe oh, yeah. in a world I could have expected Vancouver to have this kind of start of the season if everybody came together, but he's like, there was no chance I ever expected the Oilers to be like four points ahead of the San Jose Sharks at this point, and I was. Going through the math, I mean, like it looks, you mentioned the American Thanksgiving right now. I mean, Ailish, for them to get to a wild card spot, they're seven points back, uh, of mm-hmm. eight points back now, excuse me, after uh, most recently. They're eight points back of a wild card spot already. And they've got one, two, three, four, five, six teams to climb over to get to a wild card spot. That's how bad it is for the Edmonton Oilers right now. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's- 
it's like it's sad because the the talent is it though is it is it that sad i don't know if it's that sad the wrong maybe i'm talking (laughs) to the wrong crowd how about this i want to see Connor mcdavid play good meaningful hockey and i don't think he's going to get that this year unless hey the nhl wants to do this weird world cup with four teams that doesn't even make sense um but yeah i know i i preaching to the wrong radio station about (laughs) sad um i mean you guys are both kind of in in a bit of a tough spot there but maybe like I just look at their faces in the locker room and then the situation with the goaltending and then, you know, Calvin Pickard comes in and like, yeah, guys, it wasn't the solution. We know that. I yeah. think it's just like, you got to have, I think what I would expect is they need to make a big swing for some goaltender, but like what team is going to say, Hey, here's a great goaltender. I continue. You want to, you want to give us something. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll help you out. Like they're in a terrible spot to be trading from because everybody knows they're desperate and it's going to take some real tough decisions to figure this out. Cause you know, it's starting to sour where do you think these players want to stay around there much longer? You start thinking about that. And uh, I would say Edmonton is it, if there's one team, this is funny we had this conversation. If there's one team that could actually do like what this uh, St. Louis Blues did, <laughs> go from last place to win the Stanley Cup, remember that? Yep. Jordan Bennington and that, it would be the Edmonton Oilers. But I don't even see a semblance of like passion anymore. It's like lifeless. It's It's sad. There's not fight anymore. All the media comments coming out are just like, hard to listen to, hard to watch. So it's either someone's got to go in there and like flip something upside down and, you know, jump through a table or it's going to be like this the rest of the season. So there's always a chance, but the chance is like less than 5% at this point. <laughs> yeah, and I feel bad for for Chris Knobloch in all this situation because mm-hmm. you're asked to, to turn this whole thing around. I mean, you've never been an NHL coach. Uh, it doesn't sound like Connor McDavid had all that much opinion in bringing him in, mm-hmm. but now everyone thinks he's like the LeBron James of the Edmonton Oilers, and apparently he hates that sort of moniker being placed on him. Mick GM. (laughs) Mick GM. And he hates it. (laughs) Apparently everyone says he hates the idea that he's Mm -hmm. somehow putting players or or people that he knows in these these positions. And it's like, I mean, hey, Chris Knobloch, good luck. I mean, could could this thing turn around? Sure, but I'm with you. It it feels like you're going to need a goaltender to fix it, and I don't know. Is Boston giving you Jeremy Swain? I don't think so. So good luck. Yeah, I think Boston's pretty happy with their tandem. I don't think they're going to be like, let's help this team out that has some great talent that, you know, if anything crazy is going to happen, they need a good goaltender to help them do it. So I think they're in a real tough spot. Uh, it does feel like much must watch hockey every night though, which has been helpful because we had no Leafs games for like a month. (laughs) So we did watch a lot of Oilers, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I just want to see Canadian teams do well. That's like kind of how I feel because I love to see the cup in Canada. I love our market to like have real rivalries. I love like the battle of Alberta. You know, I, yeah. I guess the biggest chance we have right now is, is the Vancouver Canucks, which I don't think anyone would be saying like, if you asked three months ago, right. They no. have just been outstanding. Um, it's, it, it is almost like baffling to have that much good talent clicking at once. Like I think a lot of people are envious, I think that, I guess, a new coach really changed the scenery positively there. I guess if you're looking around the NHL and you need 
to replicate something, maybe it's finding a coach that pushes the right buttons. And the Canucks have found that this year. Their young guys are clicking. Like, they look like a completely different team, but they just put the puzzle pieces together. That's really all that's changed. They got a new voice, and you kind of hoped that the Oilers would have that new voice to do something right away, and they haven't found it yet. But Canucks, like the sweethearts of Canada, uh, I'm happy for them. That fan base sometimes needs a little a little happiness as well, right? Like yep. they get pretty, uh, they get pretty intense. So we'll <laughs> let them enjoy uh, the success they have right now. And we'll see if it's sustainable. Uh, it's our Wednesday regular chat with our pal, Ailish for far from Sportsnet five, nine of the fan and the fan pregame show on Sportsnet. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the Columbus blue jackets and your thoughts on this whole situation. Oh, yeah. Patrick line says it's the most embarrassing moment of his career to be benched. Uh, of course, we're always keeping tabs on Columbus because of Johnny Gaudreau and uh, mm-hmm. his decision to leave Calgary for Columbus, which uh, a lot of people are, are questioning now more than ever. But like, I don't even know how to describe what's happening in Columbus because uh, it's like you've got all these good young players, and I love Adam Fantilli. That dude's going to be a beast for 10, 15 years. But then you've got all these older contracts, and you never seem to be able to get out of your own way. It just feels like a a huge mess in Columbus right now. Oh, it's brutal. I love Fantilli too. He's from like right around our region. I got to talk to him a couple times, like in the draft pro- process and also through the, uh, um, like world juniors and, and his time through call it like going up the rankings. And he it might be my favorite player to talk to so far because he is so humble well-spoken, genuine. I was really happy, you know, to follow his career. He's going to be a success story, but where he ended up is like toxic land. Like this place is like, it's scary. What's going on in Columbus. I just like hope that he just puts his head down and works hard. He seems to be doing that. Um, but what's going on with Patrick line. It's, it's like you said, it was shocking. I, I completely agree. Like, probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me is how he said it. And you know what? Like it is, he's been in, he's been lined up at center. It kind of like foreign territory for him. He hasn't been able to find a fit then to get healthy scratched is just, man. Like I wonder what this team would look like if Mike Babcock was still the coach. We had this discussion on our show that maybe like the plan all along was to be like cutthroat coaching and that was the perfect thing for Mike Babcock to do. But now with this Pascal Vincent dude, it's like, is he the right guy to be doing the game plan that they maybe had drawn out for Mike Babcock? We had this discussion, and I think it's an interesting point. Like, he's another fish out of water, it feels like, right? You know, you you, you got to try to make something work. You have superstars underperforming. There's a couple of situations like that across the NHL this year, but I would say that, you know, the Patrick Line I won might be one of the most surprising. I feel for the guy, like, it is embarrassing, and then, you know, you have people just asking you, what's your problem? And he, he doesn't really know. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. I've been in that spot where you're in a rut, <laughs> and you just, you can't figure it out, and then people are asking you about it, and you're like, I'll let you know when I know, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if I had the answer, would have used it already. But thank you, I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, last but not least, uh, you mentioned it, uh, and I heard the disdain in your voice, and I couldn't help but agree. Uh, one of the bigger news pieces we got out of the Global Series was this upcoming four-team international mm. tournament. It's not a World Cup of hockey. Don't call it that, but it's like a 
four country thing that's going to happen in February 2025. And look, I, I love international hockey. I'm so bummed that we never get mm-hmm. to see McDavid and Crosby at similar points in their careers play for Canada. And I'm happy that it's coming back. But I don't know. Just kind of wait until we can get a, a better tournament going than four teams in, in February. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I think there's a couple positives. Okay, the NHL is interested in in moving towards international hockey, which means that they would be stepping stone to the Olympics, let's hope. So, like, okay, I'm I'm seeing this as a positive in that sense. Like, you got to walk before you can run. But four-team tournament, like, I play in a women's league and there's more than four teams. Like, we, like, it's not that hard. You know, there's so many more talent. There's other countries that would look damn good on this world stage. And, I mean, they set it up kind of the way that I was hearing uh, their proposed would be that you could see Canada-USA at least two times and maybe they'd line up to play each other in the championship game. That's, like, really what we want. Uh, no offense to the other nations, but we're eager for best on best because we want to see Canada. We want to see USA. Those are the teams we're most connected with here. So, uh, of course, if we get that, it's the perfect story. But, I mean, I understand completely the politics around some of the countries or participants that can't participate. Like, that's kind of the way the uh, Olympics has gone in terms of, like, Russian uh, players or Russian athletes in general. I think it's a step forward, but I I think we're all just eager to hear, hey, we're going all in. We're going to have an Olympics. We're going to have something that gives every fan a taste of what they want. Like, Sweden and Finland – that's great. How about some amazing German players? Like there's so like Czechia, like there's yeah. so many good other countries right now that are going to be watching on the sidelines. Like what we couldn't make the cut. We couldn't have six teams. Right. So um, I know it's like one of those things still developing. These are just plans, but uh, it's good that there's plans, but I would like to see, <laughs> I definitely like, we're always hungry for more, right? I don't want to sound negative. I'd be very happy to see this happen, but I think the thing I'm most happy about is that it seems like a step forward to the real goal that I think we all can agree on would be, uh, the Olympics. So we're, we're getting there, but uh, slowly, but surely the NHL doesn't like to rush on things like this. <laughs> no, certainly they've taken their time with it. So I guess why would we be surprised that it's uh, a long process? Fingers crossed for, uh, for Italy. Uh, and that next Winter Olympics that we'll mm-hmm. have uh, best on best hockey, that would be unreal to have that back again. Uh, Ailish, always great chatting with you. Really appreciate the time, as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Let's chat again next week, hey? Definitely. Thanks, guys. Talk Thanks, pal. Soon. Appreciate it. Ailish Forfar joining us on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline, Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, and the fan pregame show on the Sportsnet television network. She's a Wednesday regular here on Sportsnet today. We'll take a break, come back on the other side, get you back on track. For the game day that we're watching here in Calgary, it's the Flames and the Predators from Nashville tonight. We'll take a look at the opposition with Paul Skrbina, who covers the Preds for the Tennessean on David Poyle night in Nashville. Plus, here again from a couple members of the Calgary Flames on a game day, Dennis Gilbert and Dylan Dubé coming up next on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, continuing to get you set for a Flames game day in Nashville. Flames and Predators, the second of four on this road trip for the Calgary Flames. They kicked it off with a win in Seattle. Expecting a few lineup changes for Ryan Huska and his crew tonight. Jacob Markstrom, your expected starting goaltender for the Calgary Flames. Should see Dennis Gilbert in for Nick Simone with Nikita Zadorov. And expecting Connor Zary to sit this one out. We're dealing with a couple of injuries per head coach Ryan Huska. 
That would make way for Adam Ruzichka to come back into the lineup. Get all of that uh, confirmed for you during Flames warm-up this afternoon with Pat Steinberg. It starts at 6. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call at 7 right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan right now to take a look at the opposition tonight. It's the 7-10 and 10 Nashville Predators. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in Paul Strabina covering the Nashville Predators for the Tennessean. Paul, thanks for the time today. How are you? I'm doing all right, Logan. How are you? I'm good. Uh, David Poyle night in Nashville. Uh, clearly one of the major contributors to Nashville hockey history. Uh, what comes to mind when I uh, mention the name David Poyle to you? Gosh, a lot of things come to mind. I mean, you know, he's never won a cup, so that's obviously the you know the strike against him. But I mean, the, the man he is he is he is hockey in Nashville. I mean, there's not it's not here without him. It's not what it is today without him. He's a family. I, I'll tell you a real quick personal story. I had a um, I had a stroke in March of 21, and uh, the first person who called me when I got home from the hospital was David Poyle. Um, I've covered other pro franchises before. I've never really had that happen. Yeah. Where you know they they they're, they're kind of a family oriented. You know, it, he's just he's national hockey. That's what that's that's what it is. Yeah, and uh, such an important part and. Passing the torch over to uh, a guy like Barry Trotz probably feels pretty natural. The transition so far in Nashville in year one without David Poyle, I'd imagine. Yeah, when they first when they first when I first found out about it, I thought, man, that's so Predators. <laughs> you know, kind of like you know, kind of corny. Hiring Burnett, then hiring Burnett, but, yeah. but since Barry's taken over, he and even before he officially took over, you know, he's um, he, he's come in and cleaned house, and I, I give him a lot of credit for coming in and kind of trying to fix some of David's mistakes, you know, with, with the Matt Duchesne and, and Ryan Johansson and, you know, some, some guys like that um, who, are, who are now thriving in other, in other teams, which is great, but they just weren't working out here. And, and Barry came in and wasn't afraid to kind of shake things up a little bit. And that's really probably what this organization needed. Uh, Paul, what's been the, the story of the season so far for the Nashville Predators, uh, 17 games in, in your mind with a 7-10 and 10 record? I mean, just trying to figure it out, you know, with the new coach and, and so many young guys, and it, it's hard to tell because you know they they brought in they brought in the Ryan O'Reillys and the Luke Chens and the Ryan you know Brian McDonough last year, but you know they brought in some older veterans to to kind of you know help these young guys along. And Luke Chen's been hurt pretty much all season, and and uh, you know McDonough, I think he's coming back tonight, but he's been out the last five or six games, so it's been hard to gauge. But I think they are for sure a lot more exciting to watch. Um, you know, in the past, historically, they've been pretty, pretty boring to watch, at least offensively. Um, but they're they're a little more exciting to watch. I just I just think they're trying to, to find their way. Um, you know, and, and and that's to be expected with a new coach, a new system. You know, so many new faces. Uh, seems like Ryan O'Reilly's been a pretty seamless fit uh, in Nashville, taking over that number one center role. Oh, for sure. He's a, he's a natural fit anywhere. I mean, <laughs> in, in addition to being a, an exceptional hockey player, he's an exceptional person. He's, I've gotten to know Ryan a little bit and his family. And, and uh, you know, I, I I was a little bit confused when they first signed him because I thought they were going for youth movement. I thought they were going to rebuild. Um, but, but now that he's here, it completely makes sense, uh, you know, why they would bring a guy like him in, even if they are rebuilding, which I think they're kind of maybe in between doing, you know, in between a rebuild and a reset, but yeah. Ryan's been, you know, he, he's been great everywhere he's been, and he, that's, you know, here's no exception. Uh, Philip Forsberg continues to do his thing, 21 points in 17 games this year. 
Uh, it feels like we're a long way away from a, just a couple seasons ago, Paul. I remember the whole conversation out of Nashville was, what are you doing with Philip Forsberg? What happens with Matthias Ekholm? And, you know, Philip in, in Nashville went toe-to-toe in that contract negotiation. And looks like right now it's been a, a pretty good fit for both sides. It has, and, and, and I, I kind of figured all along they were going to do, do all they could to keep him. I didn't necessarily agree with that at the time because, you know, Philip Forsberg has this, this elite potential, but he has this penchant for getting hurt um, and disappearing for long stretches at a time. And, and so far this year, small sample size, that hasn't happened. Um, you know, he's a really dynamic player who, you know, the Predators don't really have a, a guy who strikes fear into opponents, but he's probably the closest that they have. And if he keeps – you know, if he keeps producing the way he has been, then he, he will be someone to fear, I think. Uh, with the the movement of some of those veteran guys that we, we talked about a little bit earlier in the offseason, you mentioned it sort of opened the door for maybe not a, a rebuild, but allowing some of the youth movement into Nashville in more prominent spots. Who would you point to uh, as some of the guys that have taken that opportunity and run with it early on this year for Nashville? Well, one of them is on injured reserve, and that's Tommy Novak. He's not really super young, but he's kind of a guy nobody ever heard of until the second half of last year. Um, You know, I think certainly him. I think there's, you know, some other guys have had, have shown patches, you know, stretches of of, of potential. Luke Evangelista has been struggling lately, but he's he's another guy who could, you know, who could be a a part of their long-term plans here. I think, you know, there's a lot of them, but I think, you know, it's more, their their biggest problem, honestly, this year has been has been their biggest asset in the years past, and that's been you know their goaltending has been, been really not that good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm you know UC is just not having a great season, and that's really what's what's hampered them the most, I think, so far. But yeah, the younger guys, there's nobody that's really like you know uh, rookie of the year candidate or anything, but just you know they're they're, they're young, solid guys who are what, what you kind of expect, you know, to, to, to they're going to struggle from time to time and. You know, it's but there, there, there's not any real. I wouldn't say any real superstar standout so far. Uh, you mentioned UC Soros, and yeah, he was on my list to, to ask you about because I I wouldn't have guessed coming into tonight's game uh, a three point two two goals against and an eight ninety two save percentage. Those just don't. Those just aren't numbers that Nashville are are used to from him. And look, it's always been a solid defensive club in Nashville, but hard to compete when you're uh, you're always trailing games or if you've got to let in a couple from. From Soros, what's the the storyline been for him? Is it just been an off start to the year? Is he dealing with an injury? What's kind of the the book on Soros to start uh, this season? Well, I'll say this to begin with: I, he he's always been a slow starter, and that's every single season he's been in this league. Whether he was a starter, whether he was backing up Pekka, he's always been a slow starter. It just hasn't usually lasted this long, so I, I I'm not really ready to 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 throw in the throw the book at him yet. Yeah. Um, I, but, but I don't, he's not dealing with any injuries or anything like that. I, you know, I think part of the part of the reason is because the defense in front of him is not as good. You know, again with the guys like Shen being out, McDonough being out for long stretches of time, um, you know that certainly ties in with it. But but you're right, he's made he's made some he's allowed some uncharacteristic goals. Um, you know, and I've I've said in, in the past that they have look UC's led the league in minutes played and um, shots faced the last two seasons. And I've, I've long said that, you know, they're, they're riding that horse a little too hard. And I, I'm not ready to say that that's part of the reason why he struggled so far. But I think if, they, if that struggle continues, you could probably start looking to point to that. Uh, what have your initial impressions been of, uh, of Andrew Brunette as this team's head coach? 
you know, it's, I, I think, again, uh, as far as in terms of like watching the team, a lot more entertaining to watch. They've been in, this is my sixth season covering them, and they've been a pretty boring team, <laughs> sometimes hard to watch hockey. Um, they, you know, they've, been, they've had success, but, you know, they, they've been hard to watch. And I think Andrew's kind of, you know, loosened the guys up a little bit. That he's got them playing uh, a lot more differently, trying to play the guys' strengths a little bit more. Um, you know, Roman Yossi's not leading the team in, in shot attempts like he has the last five or six years, which is not a good thing if your defenseman's leading your team in shot attempts. Um, but, uh, and, and, and Roman, again, going back to their struggles, he, he's really struggled this year, and that, which has been uncharacteristic of him. Um, you know, I think that's just partly adjusting to the system. But I think so far, so good. I think the, the players seem to, to like playing for him. Um, he, he seems to be, you know, from what I can tell, fair, you know, with the guys. I, you get a sense sometimes when, you know, I, I got at the end of Peter Laviolette's tenure here, I kind of got a sense the guys were getting tired of the act. Uh, you know, they're ready to move on to somebody else. And you know, I, I get the sense that the guys really want to, you know, they really want to uh, to play for Andrew. And, and I think, you know, him being a play, him being being a player for so long in the NHL, I think that 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 go that I don't know, jives with players better these days. You know, I, I think they maybe I don't know if they respect him more, but you know, he's got a little more credibility than you know than a John Hines or a Laviolette who spent not very much time in the NHL. John didn't play in the NHL, so. I, you know, he, he's been okay so far. Uh, one of the coaches down in Calgary uh, under Ryan Huska is Dan Lambert. He spent a couple of seasons with the Nashville Predators as part of that former coaching staff. What uh, what uh, memories do you have of Dan Lambert during his time in Nashville? I, it's funny you mentioned him. I was watching the morning skate and I and I saw Dan out there and it was, it was kind of uh, I did a double take because it's you know it's a little jarring when you see a guy in a different you know uniform who you know you've seen every day wearing. The same colors. You know, Dan. Dan. Um, you know, I think he did. A, he did a good job. He, a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of the um, success that the power play did have and the struggles that they did have. Uh, you know, were credited to him. Um, you know, and, I, and he was a guy. I think he, he. If I remember correctly, I think he. He lasted through multiple coaches here, which. Yeah. You know, I think speaks volumes to to an assistant coach. Usually, when the head coach goes, all of his buddies go with him. Um, but he, 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 he stuck around. So, he, you know, he got to have the respect of, of management and, uh, and the players, obviously. And it's ha- I'm glad to see him, uh, see him out there. Uh, just a couple more for you. We're uh, taking a look at the opposition tonight for the Calgary Flames. It's the Nashville Predators. We've got Paul Scribino along with us uh, covering the Predators for the Tennessee. And, uh, you mentioned uh, a bit there with Dan Lambert. Special teams was his, uh, his forte in Nashville as Getting ready for tonight's game. I got to be honest, Paul. I was a bit surprised to see the Predators having one of their worst seasons ever to start on the penalty kill. I think of Nashville for so many years, whether it's been Roman Yossi and Matthias Ekholm or, or whoever in Nashville, along with the uh, you know a good complement of two way forwards. They've always seemed to be a tough team defensively, and you kind of put that hand in hand with a penalty kill. But it struggled early on this season for the Preds. And I think that that goes to, to your point of going, you know, the success went hand in hand with, with how good the defense was, and I think that you know the lack of success kind of goes hand in hand with the, the, you know the lack of success on, on defense. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably as simple as that. Um, you know, I, it, it, it can't get much worse than, than it is, which is the good news for the Predators. But you know, it, it's it really puts them in a bad spot because you know when they go against teams, and I know they had a big win against Colorado the other night, but when they you know they go against the Edmontons or the you know the Colorados or the you know the, the elite teams of the league, um, not the Edmonton's elite this year, but you know the elite offensive teams. Um, 
you know, they, they can't afford, you know, the penalty, as soon as they, you know, as soon as they're in the penalty box, it's almost like, you know, it's going to be one to nothing. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's hard to say how they, obviously if they knew how to clean it up, they would. But I, I just think it's as simple as, you know, their defense, their, their, their PK is a reflection of, of their defense. Uh, Paul, before I let you go, just a, a general outlook question for this team. Where do the Predators want to see themselves this year? Do they see themselves as a team that is going to be fighting for a wild card playoff position? Is this a team that, if things aren't going well, is going to move some assets at the trade deadline? What's kind of the the outlook for the remainder of this season for the Nashville Predators? You know, I think the aspiration in Nashville always is to make the playoffs. I mean, it, 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 it's a big deal here. Um, you know, I think they got to the point when they made the cup final in 17 where making it, just making it wasn't enough anymore. And I think now they're to the point where, with, especially with Barry at the helm, and I'm interested to see this, probably just like a lot of other Predators fans are, I, I don't get the sense that Barry will be afraid to tear it down if, if he doesn't think it's working. Um, and what I mean by that is I think David was always hesitant to, to, to just go into rebuild because, you know, while Predators fans are great and supportive, um, if the team is going to be in the tank for a couple of years, um, that, that might affect, you know, attendance, that might affect, you know, the bottom line. And they've been hesitant to do that in the past. Um, but I think Barry has shown so far he's not he's not shy about, you know, taking the rug and shaking it out. And, and it'll be interesting to see where they are come, you know, February, March, uh, and what he's willing to do, you know, depending on where they are. But I, I to be honest with you, I picked them to, to, it was a kind of, a, you know, one of those bold predictions that we do. But I, I did pick them to make the playoffs this year because I do think they have enough talent. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I just, it's just hard. That central division is just, it's a tricky one to, to figure out. Um, usually has a lot of, usually, you know, four, team, four playoff teams that come from that division. Um, but, you know, Dallas is so good this year and Colorado is so good this year. Um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to tell, but I, I yeah, they're definitely, they, that's their aspiration. They're, they're definitely not tanking. Uh, Paul, really appreciate the time today. Great insight. Appreciate you taking some time for us here on Calgary radio. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Uh, I hope we get a chance to chat again soon during the season. Anytime. Thanks very much. Paul Scrubina joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline for a look at the opposition tonight. It is the Nashville Predators who enter action 7-10 and 10 on the season going up against your 7-8-3 and three Calgary Flames. Let's head back to Nashville, hear from a couple more members of the Calgary Flames on a game day, starting with Dylan Dubé, who looks to be on the line with Nazem Kadri and Martin Pospisil tonight. Here's Dylan Dubé following morning skate in Nashville. Obviously, you know, three and four nights is a pretty big stretch for your group, but um, you know, how to keep going on what you've been able to build here the last little while? No, it's been good. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a huge road trip for our team. I think we had a, um, you know, a good little home stretch there, played some good hockey, and, um, you know, we, I think we had this in the back of our minds that this trip was coming up, and, um, you know, three and four with some good teams so it starts tonight I think we just one game at a time and um, you know if we can get the win tonight we you know we get back to 500 hockey which we need yeah well, I mean I'd imagine confidence wise this group feels pretty good about what you've been able to establish I know it's not done yet but uh, in terms of you know some of those comebacks and, and not necessarily wanting to be in that position but the way that you guys have been able to be resilient and fight back in games. yeah it's been good I think uh you know, kind of getting that feeling back in the room that uh, game's not over till it's over, and we're getting our getting our looks in the third, and um, you know, even that uh, New York game showed some resilience to get into shootout, and um, 
you know, it's been good. It's been uh, it's been what you what you want. You want a team that uh, you know can come out in the third period and make that happen, and and you know it gives a lot of confidence for our group being able to do that. Uh, just in watching it, I mean, the way that you guys uh, kind of build shifts in that third period, I mean. I'd imagine that's a fun way to play hockey too, though. When you, you know, every every line that goes out there continues to kind of push, and then it and it kind of leads to those big moments. For sure, yeah, it's huge. And I think uh, you know, it's trying to find that you know for 60 minutes shows how much of a dominating team. When you can come back in games and give yourself a chance to win, it's huge. So um, you know, hopefully we don't get behind the eight ball, but it is uh, you know it's a good character test for the group to be able to do that, and it gives us a lot of confidence. So a couple of milestone pucks uh, after Monday night, but a little milestone for yourself here tonight. Too, uh, 300 games. Uh, what does that mean to, uh, to you? Yeah, it's good. It's cool. It's, uh, it's gone by fast. Um, you know, it's uh, you know when you're in the moment, something you don't uh, you don't appreciate. Uh, you know, when you're coming into the league, you you know you just hope to play. And you know, it's it's been fun. It's been good. I don't know. I think uh, you know, I'm retired. I'll look back on it and enjoy it. But uh, right now, it's another game for me. To be honest. Uh, one more number up there, but uh, you know, it's one day I'll look back. It'll be a pretty cool thing for sure to accomplish. Dylan Dubé had his 300th career NHL game tonight in Nashville. One more checking in the Flames locker room ahead of this game against the Predators. It's Dennis Gilbert expected to be back in the lineup tonight. He'll take Nick DeSimone's spot on that third pairing with Nikita Zadorov. Here's Dennis Gilbert in the Flames locker room following morning skate. Let's just start with uh, tonight. Obviously, uh, we've seen the group's been uh, stringing this, some pretty good performances together here. What, uh, you know, what do you want to see here tonight to kind of keep that rolling? Yeah, I think, I mean, especially when you're on the road, it's really important to keep it simple and start fast and be ready to rock off the jump. Uh, obviously, did a great job of that last game and then maybe a little bit of a lull in the second. So just try to stay consistent, but make sure we have a good start. How about for you, drawing back in and just uh, the opportunity in front of you? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, feeling good and just looking to help any way I can. What about, um, you know, when you take a couple, watch a couple, um, you know, anything stand out or jump out about, um, you know, the game from a different perspective? Yeah, I mean, up top, obviously, you can see everything um, pretty clear. There's no way to hide. Um, everyone says they'd be a Hall of Famer up top when they're up there watching. So, no, it's, it's good, though. I mean, you get a chance to see some little nuances and structures and uh, got got a chance to watch Nashville too, so it should be good. I, I, and I'm, I'd imagine, yeah, absolutely. Just um, you know, when you come back in, it's you know, all about you know, the opportunity, but also just kind of making sure that you, you seize those, make those simple plays and uh, take advantage of it too, right? Yeah, I mean, like anything, you just want to come in and contribute and help. Obviously, um, when, you're, when you're not playing, it's, it's, it's tough to do that, but um, when, you, when you come back in, you want to just keep it simple and, and help any way you can and um, be, have good energy and just keep, and, uh, you know, play hard. It seems like, though, uh, talking about good energy, I mean, like the vibe around this room, obviously, uh, you kind of feel a little bit of confidence, this group. Is that fair to say that it's kind of grown over the last seven or eight games here? Yeah, for sure. It's on the up and up. Um, I mean, it's, it's been really fun coming to the rink every day, and, and everyone's enjoying each other. And we said it from the start of the year. I mean, even when it was tough to start, like, we have a group that cares about each other, and it's a close team. So, um, obviously, as the wins start to pile up a little bit here, it's, the mood gets better, and everyone starts having a little more fun. There you go, Dennis Gilbert, your last check-in on the Flames locker room ahead of tonight's game against the Nashville Predators. Chance for the Flames to get back to 500 in regulation contests this season. They're 7-8-3 on the season. Quick reminder, Jacob Markstrom said to get the start in goal for the Calgary Flames. Mentioned Dennis Gilbert likely in for Nick DeSimone, and we're not likely to see Connor Zary tonight. He's a little banged up, so not sitting for performance reasons, but dealing with a little bit of uh, injury problems right now. So we'll see Adam Ruzicka back in. He'll center 
the fourth line with A.J. Greer and Walker Dewar. Dylan Dubé takes his spot on uh, Nazem Kadri and Martin Pospisil's line. And the other two stay in the same. That's Mange with Lindholm and Sharon Govich. And then, of course, Huberto with Backlund and Coleman. Flames coverage starts at 6 o'clock tonight with Pat Steinberg on Flames warm-up. He'll get you the latest ahead of uh, 7 o'clock puck drop. Part of 14 games on the NHL schedule tonight. 7 o'clock, uh, Derek and Megan have the call on Sportsnet 960. You can also watch it on Sportsnet 360 tonight. Uh, as we put a wrap on the program today, quick thank you to all of our guests, Andy McNamara, Ailish Forfar, and Paul Skirbina. Uh, Paul Skirbina joined us for a look at the opposition, the Nashville Predators. If you're looking for some insight on the Flames opponent tonight, get it that uh, on the podcast. It'll be on the hour two portion of it. Uh, and it goes up moments after every hour finishes here on Sportsnet 960. Check us out on Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Uh, quick heads up, me and Pat are going to be live uh, tomorrow from Adrenaline Source for Sports. Don't miss their massive Black Friday sales event that starts on the 24th through the 26th. They're going to have 40% off on branded and licensed apparel, 30% off uh, Adrenaline's hockey brands like Bauer, CCM, True, and Warrior. Uh, some exclusions do apply. Shop every category, including Yeti drinkware and coolers. Plus, find great savings all Black Friday weekend long. Come see for yourself. We're going to be at 9309 McLeod Trail Southwest tomorrow. Thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast. If you shot us a text at 960-960, appreciate you. Enjoy the game tonight. It's the Preds and the Flames. Uh, thanks to Outstanding Producers Cam and Taylor for their great work as well. We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down for another edition of Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.